0: Ray, for I have an important question for you today. All right, Kristen. Let's pretend that we are in
1: a cop movie. Okay. <laughs> which cop movie do you wish we were in? Oh, which cop movie do I do I wish we were in? Yeah. Uh, boy, I don't know. That's tough. I like Forty Eight Hours a oh, lot. Oh, that's a good one. It's one of my absolute favorites. And speaking of Eddie Murphy, I also like Beverly Hills Cop.
0: Yeah, that was that was a really. Special era in in, in Eddie Murphy history, in cop movie history. In, in action
1: comedy in, in, history. Yeah. And yeah.
0: and we've seen 800 versions of that movie since then. Like, look, I'm black and you're white. Right. Look, I'm younger I, and you're older. Look, I'm all business and you're all fun. <laughs> yeah. Look at this.
1: I'd probably be all business, huh? I'd be, I'd be all business and you'd be all fun. I know it. We could be Turner and Hooch, though. Turner and Hooch I aren't they remember. a buddy cop movie? I don't remember Turner and Hooch. I don't know uh, if I ever saw Turner and Hooch.
0: Tom Hanks, I think, is a cop, and I think Hooch is his partner. And Hooch is a dog. Is a
1: dog? That's right. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Yes. Am I just making that up? No, I think that's right. But I, did, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't see it. How about you? What cop movie would you be in?
0: You know what? I wish there were more female cop movies. There just aren't that many female no. cop movies. And no. If and, there were more to choose from, I would probably yeah. And, and I, not
1: that many female buddy movies. No. Actually, very few. Not that many, but that's changing this week. That's right. The Heat. Yeah. Uh, Melissa McCarthy, Sandra Bullock, buddy cop film. Yeah. One's all business. One's all fun.
0: Yeah. One's a little bit crazy. One's a little... Yeah. (laughs) All that stuff. All that stuff. And we're going to talk about that movie today as well as a couple of other movies that you may have heard of. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Kristen Meinzer, producer for The Takeaway.
1: And I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday, and this is Movie Day.
0: Ah, so much to talk about this week. You know, I'm, I just keep picturing us being Turner and Hooch. Can I be the dog? <laughs> We'll just i just slobber everywhere and you can scratch me behind the ears and then we'll go running after criminals together.
1: Do they, do they, well, if I'm the human, then at least I get a love interest. <laughs> or maybe they both get a love interest. I don't know. I didn't see the movie.
0: Oh, God. We'll have to see that and just like review that for no good reason sometime <laughs> That's, soon. We'll it was an excellent idea, actually. <laughs> Tom Hanks once said in an interview that was his favorite movie he'd ever been in. That's
1: excellent. Yeah. That is excellent to hear. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I wonder what happened to him on the set of that, to make him say that.
0: Oh, uh, God, but, probably, oh,
1: we, we should talk about this week's release. We should. Well, we'll we're going to start, I think, with White House down. Um, you have seen this movie. I have not. I'm very disappointed not to have seen this because I love this kind of stuff. I just love these action <laughs> movies. And, you know, I love Channing Tatum, as you know. Yeah, um, you really love him. But you're, you're you tell us a little bit about the plot. And then I have a I have a couple of questions that I want to ask you. Alright, well let's play a clip first. I know you're into peace and all that. You gotta stick that thing out there and go to work. Damn right. Hold on two hands, there it comes
0: I lost the rocket launcher.
1: You lost how do you lose a rocket launcher?
0: Ah, White House down. Does that does that sound familiar to you, Rafer? We, the, the White House is under attack. We have yeah. a president who needs to get out of the White House alive. We have a former security guard type who is there hoping to rescue him. And along the way, we also have a child separated from a parent who needs to get out of there. <laughs> And I'm not going to say this sounds like another movie I've seen in the last few weeks. But... i because say it
1: because, because when, it, when I did not see the screening of this film um, <laughs> and one of, one of the editors, uh, uh, as listeners know, I, I write for Newsday, which owns AM New York and occasionally AM New York uh, will pick up my reviews. Uh, their entertainment editor, who we've had on the show, Scott Rosenberg, came to me um, the other day and said, hey, where's your White House Down review? We'd like to run it. And I said, oh, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I didn't see that one and he said that's okay we'll just rerun your olympus has fallen movie <laughs> so uh, this leads me to ask some questions but god you've answered them already okay a couple because so i hear my questions I, I, I only have
0: said like three words about the movie but that's i know it. but, that, <laughs> but that's
1: the, you've described you've described o, o, uh, olympus has fallen um, is there is there a guy on the outside that the, that channing tatum communicates with that becomes his friend on the outside
0: I'm not gonna say that it's a guy. I'm gonna oh. say that it's a couple of women.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. that's a twist. That's a crazy, crazy <laughs> twist. It's a when we call a wrinkle. Yeah, and um, I, I
0: mean I don't want to give it all away, but I will say this time around, rather than having scary North Koreans who are coming in to okay. take over, yeah, uh, we don't have scary North Koreans. We have people who might look a little bit more like you and me. Oh. A little. What am I talking about? I am Korean. Those yeah, are North right. Korean.
1: Oh you forgot. <laughs> you forgot that. Um, uh, I'm an
0: American, not an American. Oh but good for you. I will say this. Some of the people in the movie are Americants.
1: Oh. Yes. Okay, interesting. There are some
0: Americans and some Ameriwonts.
1: Is there a scene is there a scene where Channing Tatum via radio <laughs> trades insults with the bad guy?
0: <laughs> there is not, but there is a point where the president of the United States, played by Jamie Foxx, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Does say some things not in English, which, um, onto the radio, and they catch him that way. They're like, just a second. Who is this talking into here? Yeah. So there is that. And, but we do
1: still have, uh, sort of a black, uh, well, that, well, I, I think in Olympus Has Fallen, Morgan Freeman played the acting black president.
0: Yes, he was the right? acting president. And okay. in this movie, there are yeah, you have president, then you have acting president also in this movie. The okay. same. I, God, I almost feel like I can't talk about this movie without sounding like I'm just talking about Olympus Has Fallen, Fallen oh. which which
1: as everyone as everyone obviously knows was essentially Die Hard. So, <laughs> but well, okay, but anyway, I don't now, even
0: know what to say about this movie without just repeating everything. I, I did you like it? Much like Olympus Has Fallen, it was way too long. It's over two mm. hours
1: long. Do you remember Olympus Has Fallen it was really long I don't too? I remember thinking Olympus was, had has fallen was that
0: long necessarily? Oh, gosh, it was way too long. I'd say it was much more violent, scary, oh, scary, this one? violent. Yeah, this it was very violent oh. and scary. Um, and I, yeah, I just I wish it was a little tighter, a little shorter, a little less violent. And I just felt like it was going on and on too long. That being oh. said, I have to say, watching this, I'm like. Oh, I get why Rafer likes Channing Tatum.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Which you know, I never say that, but I I was like, I was like, oh, I get it. Channing Tatum is totally likable. Yes, he's great in this. He's he's great in this. Uh, One other thing I'll say before we move on to the next movie: the news media in this movie, the way they're depicted, is hilarious. How the news media does a crisis. The news media doing a crisis (laughs) (laughs) is—I would say that's one of the high points of the movie. Like, really, you're just gonna okay? So somebody inside the compound has been trapped in the White House, took a video, you know, made a video and leaked those faces out to the news media. Right. And of course, the news media has decided to name the person who leaked it out so that
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's it's the Geraldo Rivera thing. They're right here. I'm going to draw two X's in the sand. Here's where the troops are. The public has a right to know. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah, but
0: uh, overall, I'd, I'd say I think some people are really going to enjoy this date. I didn't hate this date. Okay, but you know, I I liked it more or less about the same as I did uh, Olympus Has Fallen. You know what? I might I might have liked it a little bit more because oh. I like Channing Tatum.
1: Yeah, uh, well, Channing Tatum's I think has a little more charisma in a role like this than charisma
0: probably charisma and Channing
1: Tatum. <laughs> Gerard Butler does. Come on, Channing Tatum equals charisma. I'm just saying.
0: Oh, All right. Tatum equals charisma. So does this for Micah Countertop. <laughs> it's so full of charisma. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. All right, let, let's talk about another movie, a documentary that I have not gotten around to seeing yet, but I've been super curious about it, and the press team and I have been in lots of contact about this movie. I really wanted to see it. I have a copy on my desk. Tell me about it. It's called 20 Feet from Stardom. So,
1: She's representational of what's happening with background singers at this point. I know that she aspires to be a solo artist, though. So this is a documentary uh, directed by uh, Morgan Neville, who is a – he's he's done a lot of music documentaries. He's done them on uh, Hank Williams, on Stax Record. Uh, This is about backup singers, uh, the people who are, you know – Back behind the star uh, in the background, about twenty feet away, maybe. About twenty feet away. Uh, It's. I like the title a lot because it basically refers to this, uh, as Bruce Springsteen talks about in the film. um, This this very short but kind of uncrossable distance between you in the back at that sort of row of microphones. You know, behind you're you're upstage and the spotlight is downstage. It's not far away, but. 20 feet away, but you, you kind of, most often you can't get there. You can't cross over and become a star. And it, the, the movie is often about how difficult it is for these singers to get out into the spotlight. Uh, a lot of them have tried to have solo careers that didn't take off. Some um, of them,
0: like, isn't Darlene Love one of them? Darlene Love is, is the, the, the Phil Spector Darlene Love. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. She's the exception to the rule. But, uh, you know, but even she had, you know, this uh, horrible uh, downturn in her career. You know, she wound up uh, uh, cleaning houses in middle age and then uh, sometime I think in the 80s staged this comeback, this really hard-won, tenacious comeback where she kind of climbed her way back into the into the spotlight and became known as a, a, a front woman in her own right. You know, she's always on the David Letterman show. Um, you know, she's had a few albums out. Um, she's done really well for herself. But most of them, um, you know... Most of them look at backup singing I – think, I think a lot of them tend to look at backup singing as, A, this really wonderful thing they can do. They have a talent. They have a gift. They love to do it. They get real joy out of it. They take real pride in their work. Um, and yet it's a trap because the more you're a backup singer, the less likely it is you're ever going to be – a star. You're you're going. The more you do it, the more you're going to remain a backup singer. They talk to uh, Tata Vega, who is this really flamboyant Motown singer who had a short solo career. Now she sings with um, Elton John. Um, my favorite. And if you are any rock fan out there, is going to want to see this movie only because if if nothing, it's a great movie. I'd highly recommend it. But there's one scene that, that is worth the price of admission, and it is um, Mary Clayton, who sings uh, – Mary, M-E-R-R-Y. Mary Clayton is the woman who sang backup on Gimme Shelter, the 1969 oh, Rolling Stones song. Wow. And, and I'm, I'm not going to try to imitate uh, her, but anyone knows that famous moment, that, that millisecond in the song where her voice splits in half uh, when she's singing the rape-murder chorus. And it is a spine-tingling moment just to listen to. And in this movie, they strip away the rest of the band. So you only have her isolated track and all you can hear is her voice and it, and you see her listening to it. You see Mick Jagger listening to it. And I almost feel like this was probably the reason this movie got made. Just was just to have. I almost feel like the rest of it is just an excuse to give it a ninety-minute runtime, so we can show this one extraordinary sequence. It's great. Um, wow. I like the movie a lot. I I'm, getting, really, I'm
0: getting tingles. Oh, I, I can't. It sounds I, so good.
1: You, you can't listen to that track without, without you know all the, all the little goosebumps on your skin uh, uh, rising up. Um, Anyway, it's a great movie and I would really, really recommend it to anybody, to any, any – certainly any, any pop and rock fan. Um, and I think also to anyone who kind of you – know, anyone who is uh, a creative type who is maybe not you – know, feels like maybe they have not yet gotten their due and is kind of wondering, you know, what, is it all, what is it all worth? Why do I do this? And I feel like this movie kind of answers that question. Um, so I would say a really, really good date.
0: Oh, I want to go on that date. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to take myself on that date soon. You should. You yeah. should. It sounds great. Check it out. All right. So let's move on to the piece de resistance this week. <laughs> the, movie that, uh, the movie that everybody is talking about, The Heat. How long is this going to take? I don't know. Maybe 12 hours, hopefully less. I have, to, I have to find out what drives him. We could just go in there and beat him with a phone book. No, no, no. For so many reasons, no. Okay, you just need to be patient, all right? It is crucial, crucial that you remain patient. It's also crucial that you stop wearing that stupid doing? barrette. Don't. Just
1: What is, what just is leave the it? problem with this? I mean, you have one on your head.
0: Yeah, on top of my head like a normal person. It, what is the difference? Just move on.
1: <laughs> so that's Melissa McCarthy as um, a, a foul-mouthed, uh, slovenly Boston cop named Shannon Mullins and Sandra Bullock playing an uptight, uh, goody-goody federal FBI agent. And they uh, get together reluctantly to team up and catch a drug lord. Uh, they overcome their mutual loathing for each other and, of course, learn how to work together, become friends, and catch the bad guy. That's pretty much it. Um, you have you have seen this uh, eight million times, yes. just, just as we were talking about. 48 hours. Um, is Turner the and Hooch. Turner <laughs> and Hooch. Uh, lethal Weapon to a maybe somewhat mm-hmm. lesser extent. Midnight Run, mm-hmm. perhaps. Every um, Chris
0: Tucker movie ever made. Every Chris
1: Tucker movie. Uh, I mean – You've seen it a million times. What's interesting about it is that you really, you pretty much have never seen it with two women.
0: Isn't that so weird? Yes. Women have been around for a really long time. They have,
1: long time. Buddy
0: movies have been around for a really long time. Cops have been around for a really long time. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's so baffling to me. It is, it is. It's so weird that we're in 2013 and this is... I think the first female buddy cop movie I can think of.
1: It's the first one I can think of. And I mean, it's almost the first female buddy film, uh, not even cop. I mean, you and I were talking before doing this podcast about other female buddy films, and we couldn't really come up with anything that quite fits that bill. I mean, you do have... The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, and you do have you know love that movie. Beaches Thelma and, Louise and, well, and Thelma Felman, Louise, Nine but, to Five, but none of these are really they're, quite. They're, no, they're not quite. They're either teamwork movies or they're they're friendship movies, and maybe I'm drawing too fine a line, but they don't quite seem to count as buddy movies. And but that is what this is, Um and I don't think this movie would have ever been made if it weren't for a Bridesmaids. Uh, which was directed by Paul Feig, who also directs this one, Uh, and B, Melissa McCarthy. Uh, I can't really think of anybody else, anyone else on the planet who really could have played this role the way Melissa McCarthy does.
0: But, you know, I don't – yeah.
1: I mean who – I mean you know, you. I mean
0: I I don't know. I mean a part of me because I love Melissa McCarthy wants to agree with you and another part thinks – There are plenty of women who could if we would just give them a chance to play these kinds of roles. And we never give women the chance to play these kinds of roles. Like there was the movie at one point with – oh, God. I think it was called Bringing Down the House where they had Queen Latifah playing this kind of role. It wasn't a cop movie and it's not another woman she's against. I think it's actually Steve Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh yeah. But you do have lots of wacky females who can be smart, wacky – Working class and all of these things, but we just don't give them much of a chance. I mean, I could. But can
1: they? But can they be? Can they be? Can they be gross? The way that uh, the way that John Belushi or um, you know, I'm trying to think. You know, sort of John Candy was never usually gross, but John Belushi is always the one that comes to mind. Can they play that kind of bluto slovenly? You know, old sandwich in the fridge. You know, <laughs> chug a chug a beer. You know, you know
0: who could have done it? Who Melissa McCarthy's cousin? Who, who is Jenny McCarthy? Is that true? Jenny McCarthy is her cousin. I did not know that. Yeah. Remember Jenny McCarthy way back when she would do wacky stuff on MTV? Yes, and so on. She always said that one of the reasons she was so successful is she wasn't afraid to be gross.
1: Yeah, that could be. But I, But she... Uh, okay, that's interesting. But she could not that play this. That whole family,
0: crazy family. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> God. No, but, but Jenny McCarthy could not play this role. I mean, sure, some someone else could be shoehorned into it and perhaps do a good job. But I mean, Melissa McCarthy... I, you know, I will say, you know, the, the the movie starts out with Sandra Bullock, you know, on a on a on a raid, a uh, sort of a SWAT team raid, you know, to try to find drugs and weapons in some thug's house. Um, Sandra Bullock is very funny. I mean, she is no slouch as a comedian. I I loved Miss Congeniality. I thought that was a great movie.
0: I, I admit it. I own it.
1: Oh, do you? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I mean, it's it's it's, it's great. Um, she is really good. But once Melissa McCarthy appears on screen. Everything just goes haywire and she just takes over. She is absolutely on fire in this movie. And you can see her. Granted, it's Sandra Bullock's role to play mostly the straight man. So Sandra Bullock is is pulling back a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. But Melissa McCarthy just – improvises rings around her i mean you can just see her mind just it's just crackling i mean her lines are coming so fast so rapid fire you just can't keep up and and sadly almost none of them are repeatable here because it's you know everything is just it's just <laughs> beep, filled beep, with beep, beep, profanity. Beep. yeah um but god is she good in this movie she's so funny uh now you're looking at me somewhat skeptically as though maybe you don't you didn't think she was as funny as I'm saying.
0: Well, you know what I was gonna do, Ray for what? I was I was gonna come in here and I was gonna try to play you. Okay Now, now we saw this movie and just a couple of days ago, yeah. we were sitting side by side, and I'm sure you remember I was laughing so hard that there was a period I was snorting for a while. I do remember. I was rolled up into a ball at one point because I was shaking so much from laughing so hard. But then I thought, oh, what I'm going to do is come into the studio this week and I'm just going to act like I didn't like it.
1: <laughs> you can't. You can't. I was... So
0: that look I was giving you just now was me trying to act like, nah, I don't know. That I don't know what psych. I really thought about that. Psych was, out. Uh, whatever. It was, you know, just totally faking it. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
1: Tell me. But tell me honestly. Tell me honestly. What did you think?
0: All that snorting and laughing? Totally real. I yeah. was not faking it. I, no, now I'm faking that I was faking. No. I loved this movie. Yeah. I laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. And some of the things I thought were funniest were just little aside things oh, that weren't yeah. even like just kind of a joke that would repeat itself in the movie was that
1: Melissa McCarthy is
0: kind of a heartbreaker. Yes. And men around Boston, they're like, Hey, Yeah, hey, wh- so. what
1: hey, I called you, you didn't ever call me back.
0: Yeah. It's like, Hey, baby. Sometimes <laughs> it's sometimes it's not about love. It's just about one night of passion. <laughs>
1: my favorite my favorite line was when, was when she's brushing off another guy and she and she says to Sandra Bullock you don't feed strays <laughs> it's just it's it's
0: and that guy was played by her husband
1: <laughs> that's right played by Ben Ben Falcone her actual husband um it's it's I think the other key to this movie, it's not just Melissa McCarthy, although she you know, clearly is sort of the, the pillar of this film. Um, what's great about this movie that you just don't see very often in throwaway comedies is that really, if you think about it, almost every single person in this movie is funny. Like literally from the minor characters. Jane her, Curtin, her mom. Jane Curtin, who's on screen for – Maybe a total of fifteen seconds in several shots, but you know Jane Curtin has one expression in that movie <laughs> that she wears in one two second shot that is so funny. I mean, the whole audience laughed. Jane Curtin just pulls this face, and the whole audience laughed. the um, The EMT guy, the first responder who arrives on the scene of a of a choking of a choking incident, and oh. is, is just is completely witheringly sarcastic. The um, just everybody, the extras in the bar. Every single person, and my favorite is uh, a guy who I had not heard of before, Dan Dan Bakadahl, uh, B A K K E D A H L, is how you spell his name. I'm not familiar with him. He plays an albino DEA agent who sort of butts heads with uh, with McCarthy and and Bullock. And they just they just they just trade. He's not actually an albino, as as is clear in the film. You can see the pancake <laughs> makeup the and his, his, his contact lenses, which is part of the joke. But of course, you know they think he's the bad guy. But I love how he gets all outraged. Oh yeah, haha! Because I'm I'm the albino, and so now I have to be the bad guy. And then the film is just filled with albino jokes. And mm. I just I thought it was hilarious. Melissa McCarthy. Hey, are you okay? Because you look kind of pale. <laughs> I mean it's just it's so it just bad. I, they're it's so, so bad. they're so funny the dog, the dog the 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 drug sniffing dog who is an abject failure <laughs> is so funny every that everything dog is funny that so
0: easy to trick.
1: I know <laughs> all
0: you have to do oh, is Oh, way like, to go
1: everyone says. So, yeah way, like yeah t- nice job put a tuna
0: sandwich on the table and right. the dog just the like dog. doesn't know anything else going on
1: it's <laughs> so funny everything is funny and i think um, I think that's a real testament to obviously all the people in it, but also to Paul Feig, the director, I, I think he did a really great job. I mean, there's some great scenes in this movie. It's like there are times when it feels like the Marx Brothers. Everything's just crazy, anarchic. Like you feel like the whole cast is in on it. It's just great. And yet it has a heart too. It's, it's not just t- funny. It's got a big heart. It totally does. Of course. I mean, and those two are great together. I thought they worked really well together. I would, um, I
0: would love a Heat sequel.
1: I, you know, or a I, Heat series. You know me, <laughs> you know me, and how I hate sequels. But I'm sure there's one. Coming and you know who knows it could be good. I will say um, I went out on a limb. and I gave this three and a half out of four stars.
0: Oh wow! I thought it was just
1: a fantastic comedy, and and it reminded me it, it the movie. The movie makes two explicit references to Foul Play. One is the albino. If you're a, f- a fan of Foul Play, the Chevy Chase movie, you'll remember the albino from that uh, from that film. Um, but I mean, Foul Play, Silver Streak, Stir Crazy. Beverly Hills Cop um all those movies uh it you know Fletch it just reminded me of all those great movies where you have a comedian who is really just owning that role and making that movie his or in this case hers and i just loved it i th- i feel like it could d- go down as like a home video classic like one of those kinds of movies that you just watch over and over and over oh, i
0: would totally watch this over and over yeah. again yeah. i would totally watch it over and over again and just thinking about it i'm laughing again
1: i know <laughs>
0: And I I will say, I don't know if you noticed that one moment where maybe I cried a little bit too.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, it's got, there's some great, and the script, uh, Katie Katie Dippold, I think, is the woman's name. She's a first time writer. But I, I just felt like you could really feel at these moments that she had a love for all these action comedies. From her, probably, I I don't know how old she is, but probably from her past, or probably movies that she loved, like the ones I was mentioning, and she just wanted to find a way to to femaleize it, not necessarily, you know, make it mushy gushy, and not necessarily make it a big feminist statement. Although there is, there are many guns pointed at men's crotches in this film, Mm -hmm. Um, but she just wanted to find a way to to make this a a movie for women, and I think it just works wonderfully.
0: But. You said make a movie for women. Do you feel like this is a movie for women?
1: Well, I'm, I'm, I I guess I'm, what I meant was for for two females, for two oh, female yeah, actresses. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I totally feel like it's a it's a movie for women. I I really feel like it's one of those few movies, even more so than Bridesmaids, because of course it's got the action element in it. It really feels like just a a total. Both gender crowd pleaser. So you'd
0: recommend it to your male friends as well. Oh
1: I totally would. So would I. And I so love the I. fact that it's rated R. I just I always want more rated R movies in, in, <laughs> in theaters. And I love that it's rated R. I'm so sick of PG thirteen. And that's one of the things I love about this movie.
0: <laughs> so you and I agree. Great
1: date. Great date. Outstanding great date.
0: date. I loved this date so much. Yeah. I loved this date. I yeah. I have nothing else to say. Perfect date actually. Great I'm so date. glad. I'm great, so glad. Great, great date. Yeah. Well, before we go, let's do our trivia question from last week and then uh, this week's question.
1: Yes. Okay. I'll do last week's trivia question, which was uh, very simple. We'd been discussing World War Z, uh, which we both liked, and it was based on a novel by an author named Max Brooks. We asked, who are his famous parents? Two very famous film industry parents. uh, And here's the right answer. Hi, my name is Sabina Rogers. I'm calling from Washington, D.C., First, I just want to say I really enjoyed the podcast and enjoy hearing your thoughts on the different uh, movies. It helps me figure out which ones I want to watch
0: and don't. But I also wanted to call and give an answer to the quiz from this last podcast. The parents of Max Brooks, the author of World War Z, are Anne Bancroft and Mel Brooks. Awesome job! I, I, you know, but I do have to say, is that Sabina Rogers? I, didn't I think she
1: sounded like Sabina. I, w- I was also surprised to get this answer because uh, Sabina, I don't know how old you are, but you sound like you're about maybe nineteen, <laughs> and so I was, I was thinking, it's funny. We did. I, I will mention quickly. We had another, another uh, call in a guy named Phil from Watertown, New York, who. Um, suggested, I think he was suggesting that you and I were too young to remember Young Frankenstein, the Mel Brooks masterpiece uh, he was talking about. He also got the answer right. And he was talking about how his mother pulled him out of fourth grade to go see Young Frankenstein. I just want to say I've always been a Young Frankenstein fan. Yeah. I, I remember it. I don't think I saw it in theaters. I think it was television, but I was very young and uh, I've always loved that movie.
0: Isn't that where you developed your crush on Terry Garr, who was Young Frankenstein?
1: Uh, that may be. Well was, that was that was the sexy Terry Gar. Yeah. Wall, wall, wall in the hay. Yes.
0: We actually had a ton of right answers. So those are two of the people who had correct answers. We had lots of other people calling in. But we also had Peter writing in. Peter Rustin has written in a few times with yes. the right answers. Peter who lives in California. And he, he wrote in this week. Some of us still prefer to communicate via writing as opposed to the self-aggrandizement inherent in leaving a voicemail. So to answer the trivia question, Max Brooks is the spawn of Mel Brooks and Mrs. Robinson herself and Bancroft. So, Peter, there you go. Glorious moment. We're reading your email out loud, but... We we always love it when you call though too. Yeah,
1: but Peter, we're not going to do it again. We're not <laughs> going to do it again. You need to call in. You need to get over this and call in. I feel I feel like you are the uh, the, the shy character in a teen movie that and this is kind of your thing, like where you don't you can't you can't call the girl. You can't call in on that on that on that line to movie date and, and that's going to be the lesson that you have to learn by the end of the film <laughs> to call in. So I'm encouraging you to call in.
0: Yeah. You can be just like Molly Ringwald in 16 Candles. <laughs> you can do it. You can, can do be it. Molly Ringwald in That's 16 right. Candles. That's right. I feel it. You can do it. You can do it. Well, before we go, let's give this week's trivia question in honor of female cops. Now, this, the big screen, almost no female cops. Not that, we, that, yeah, not that many. few of them. Very few of them. But TV has always exploded with female cops. They're all over the place, all over TV. So... We're asking a question this week in honor of those female cops on TV. Who is a famous actress who plays a female cop on TV? And this is the important part. She is the daughter of Jane Mansfield.
1: I like this question.
0: Yeah. You didn't know the answer to this one. I did not. Yeah. She is the daughter of Jane Mansfield. Tell us who this actress is and what role she plays on TV. She does play a female cop, and that's all we'll tell you. So if you know the answer, call us at
1: 5717movies. Or you can log on to facebook.com slash podcast. But Rafer would prefer you not. <laughs>
0: I'll hold the job for you. You can't consume yourself.